friends, it's me, Katie Ann, and your host of the Full Confidence Ahead podcast, where we go on a journey together tackling the fears of life from family relationships to finance, from careers to community. And today I'm going to do double duty for you. <laughs> We're going to talk about playing the harp. Um, I think a lot of you have seen harps in the movies. Maybe the first time you were ever exposed to a harp was that really old Disney cartoon where Minnie is playing a harp with like one string on it. (laughs) Anyways, I get a double duty today. I'm your guest and your host as your professional harpist that you can ask all your questions to. A lot of you have actually submitted questions about the harp to me on the Full Confidence Ahead podcast email or my Instagram, which please feel free to always send in questions or suggestions to me. My Instagram is katieann underscore pal, or you can find me at fullconfidenceahead at gmail.com. Either of those are great way to be in contact with the podcast, but a bunch of you have found out that I am a professional harpist (laughs) and you've asked some really good questions about the harp. So I thought it is high time that we made an episode about the harp. So make sure we're going to buckle up, get ready. But first I want to turn some time over to our sponsors. They make this episode possible, not only this episode, but this whole podcast. So let's turn some time over to them just to have a moment to recognize them for all they do for the podcast. The Full Confidence Ahead sponsor, Utah Money Moms, has boosted my financial confidence. I remember the first time I heard about them on YouTube, I just found this video about tracking your expenses they had done, and it was so simple and confidence building that I went to their website and started downloading as much material as I could. Make sure you head over to utahmoneymoms.com after this episode to sign up for their free webinars on all financial topics from the basics of budgeting to estate planning. Thank you for taking the time for our sponsors. Truly go and look up Utah Money Moms. They have made such a big difference in my life and having confidence to move forward with my finances. And they are definitely worth it to go and look up and see all their content. So now we are ready to jump into the harp. La! <laughs> it's kind of that instrument. We all think of it. We think of angels. But not a lot of people know the details of a harp or even seen one in person. So I hope that this episode, you can feel like you're seeing it, you're hearing it in your living room with me. So a lot of people always ask the first question is, how did I choose the harp? Because it's kind of this random instrument. So when I was five years old, my mom required my sister and I to choose an instrument. And my sister's older than I was well, I, I am still, she is still older. So at least last time I checked, but, um, so she played the violin and I think everyone assumed that I would just play the violin as well. Cause I went to her, her practices and rehearsals and lessons when I was little. So they took me to an instrument store. My parents did when I was five years old and I walked in and I looked over and I was like, that's it. That's the instrument I want. And I pointed to the harp which is kind of crazy that a five-year-old knew what a harp was. And we've kind of traced it back to my my preschool teacher. I had preschool in a home and the daughter played the harp. So we, we figure I must have listened to it when I was three or four in her house and knew that I wanted to play back then. And then when we'd go to, we, we loved local theater as a family and we'd go and like into the orchestra pit. And I guess I'd always look at this big, beautiful instrument, but it truly, I, we like to say in our family and 
Uh, my mom always tells a story because I don't remember that day in there, but we have it written in our journal accounts. But we like to say that it was the wand chooses the wizard. You know, Harry Potter walks into the wand shop and is like, this wand is like, love floats out of nowhere. That's kind of like what it was for me is this five-year-old girl who has probably no idea what to call half of the instruments in that shop literally walked in and was like, that's it. That's my future. And the crazy thing is my mom didn't know if that instrument would stick or anything and harps are expensive. So we started renting, but not only has it stuck for 20 years, (laughs) it has changed my life. It has taken, taken, not taken, (laughs) taken me to over 10 different countries internationally playing as a guest harpist. I've studied at four different universities. I play professionally. It has completely altered and changed my whole entire life. So it's kind of crazy how one moment in an instrument shop shaped the rest of, of my life. So I'm so grateful for the harp in my life. But when you start on the harp, you start off on a smaller harp, probably about four feet tall, and it's called a lever harp. So you'll notice if you look at these lever harps, you can Google it on Google Images. They have these little knobs at the top of the strings that makes it go sharp. So you can either have it in all naturals or sharps. And if you're not a music person, that's totally okay. Think of a piano and they have those like black keys and a harp only has strings. So those levers at the top act as the black keys. So you have to manually, instead of playing a separate note, you're manually moving a mechanism on the harp that makes it go sharp or natural. So you start off on this lever harp and then you progress up to what's called a pedal harp. And what happens when you have a pedal harp is you add on more strings to the harp. It's a lot larger harp. And then instead of having those little mechanisms at the top, you have pedals on by your feet. So a lot of people don't know that professional harpists are playing just as much with their feet as they are their hands. So surprise, <laughs> kind of a crazy thing. But yeah, we play just as much as our feet as we're playing with our hands. So honestly, it's a total body workout. You have like pretty stellar abs (laughs) because you have to engage your core because you're moving around like crazy. Your arms are moving, your legs are moving, and you're just balancing with your core. So um, next time you see a harpist, look at her feet. It's really interesting to see how that works. So our feet, yes, they do. When you have pedals, you can do flat, natural, and sharp on every single one of the strings. (coughs) Whoa, excuse me. So it interacts like those black keys on a piano if you're a piano piano player, but you have a couple extra extra things that you can can do. Like you can play two notes. You can do enharmonics. So you can Google what that is. It's kind of cool, but you could basically enharmonics is when you're playing two separate strings, but they sound like the exact same string, which is kind of unique and cool to the harp. So we have this little enharmonic or it sounds like you're only playing one note, but you're playing two. So you can make that volume really loud when it sounds like you're only playing one note. So we love, we love doing that as harpists and we're just moving our feet like crazy. So that's kind of fun. And so you also have to imagine when I started on the harp, I was five years old. And even though I had started on this tiny little rental harp, when you pull the harp back on your shoulder to play. And when I would pull the harp back, even though it was a tiny little harp, it would have crushed my shoulder. I was so little. So I couldn't play and practice for more than five minutes at a time. It was so cute. And I, I built up 
stamina over time with my shoulders and with my arm strength to be able to hold up that harp and have core strength to to actually hold the harp. And now I just laugh because I play gigs for like three hours long. I laugh that I couldn't even play for five minutes. It was so cute and crazy. And the other thing that when you first start playing the harp, that's a little bit unexpected is the calluses that you develop and the blood blisters that you have on your fingers. That is just a part of playing the harp is you have really tough and powerful fingers and you definitely do have calluses that build up over time. And sometimes you'll have a really demanding piece that will make a callus on your thumb or it'll make a callus on your fourth finger. Um, And sometimes it's even more painful than that and you get blood blisters and it's just so sad. And what do you do about it? You just have to play through it. (laughs) Actually, oh, I had a story once. I was auditioning for college and I had blood blisters from practicing so hard. And the day of the audition, my fingers were numb from having so many calluses and blood blisters. But I went in and I started playing the piece and the blood blister it totally just ripped and I was bleeding all over the harp, but it was the audition. So you couldn't stop. So I just kept playing and I'm like, Oh my goodness. (laughs) Like, what do you do? You can't do anything except for keep going. So harpists are pretty tough. We're kind of tough in nature, but (laughs) Oh yeah. If we wince a little bit in pain, it's only for a moment because your fingers go numb pretty fast. (laughs) Um, But harps have 47 strings. I don't know if you knew that. 47 strings. That's a lot of strings. Um, The bottom string on the largest harp. So I'm talking now, we're going to transition to the pedal harp. So I play right now on that biggest harp, the pedal harp. That's what you see with the orchestras. It's about probably about five feet tall. That big harp has 47 strings. So that bottom string is a C and that top string is a G. And it's really interesting. So the strings are all different lengths which makes it a different pitch. So when the string is shorter, it makes it a higher pitch. And when it's longer, it makes it lower. But they're also made out of three different materials. So the bottom strings of a harp are made out of wire. Those ones really hurt your fingers when you play them for over and over. It's like, whoa, that's where the blood blisters come from. <laughs> and then the middle strings, those are gut. So they are animal gut. Um, and they are really interesting. And they make that beautiful tone. And then the top strings are manufactured nylon. So you've got metal, gut, and nylon. So three different materials that make up the strings. Then each of them have a little bit different timbre when you play them. Not only does it sound higher or lower, but it sounds a little bit more deep or a little bit more resonating with you or a little bit more airy. The materials that the strings are made of do make a difference into how that pitch sounds. So that's always interesting when you hear the top note and the bottom note and the difference between the wire and the nylon. You can hear it pretty pretty different. It's really interesting. And when you're playing the strings, it's really important that you have a harp bench. It's so cute. When I go and do weddings, some people offer me like a beautiful chair to sit in and that is so beautiful. But it has to be exactly the right hype. So as a harpist, we always carry our own benches because when you're sitting at the harp, you want to be eye level with the strings. Like you want, if I were to draw a line in the middle of my strings, that's where my eyesight, my eyes should line up with. And it's really important that you have 
a bench that you can be eye level with it. So we have adjustable benches because when you're little, obviously you grow along the way so that eye level changes. So you adjust it along the way. But this is kind of, <laughs> this is just a little silly thing about me. And I'm the only harpist I know that does this. I sit on a lopsided bench. And that is so weird, but I've done it my whole entire life, but I have a bench and on the bottom, if you flip it over, it has like three gears on each side. So the left side has three gears. You can do um, long, medium, short, and the right has long, medium, short. Technically, you're supposed to have each side both on long and long or medium and medium or short and short, but I have practiced all of my life with the right side on short and the long and the the left side on medium. So I'm always, <laughs> I sit on a vertical like lopsided. It's so weird, but there you go. If you ever see me playing, just notice I'm probably like on a slight angle. That And that's totally just a me harpist thing. That is not normal. Normally harpists have like a straight bench, but I have a little bit lopsided bench. So just a little quirky Katie Ann professional harpist thing. But that was kind of funny. That was really funny when I went into college adjusting my bench because um, I studied professionally the harp and the different harpists, they thought that was weird. <laughs> but I've studied at four different universities and they've been across the whole entire U.S. So I studied at Redlands School of Music. I studied at Eastman School of Music at the University of Utah and at BYU. So those are the four different universities that I've studied at. And some of you might be thinking, well, why would you go to so many different universities? And that's a great question because a lot of people don't understand that there is multiple harp theories. Now that's a big word, but let me like break that down. And that means that there's different ways that you can play the harp. And in the U.S., there's two main theories made by two different men who have passed away quite a while ago, but we have the Grangene and the Salzedo theory. And there's some others, there's Russian and there's French, there's different kinds. But in the U.S., we have these two different theories, Grangene and Salzedo. And it means that you hold your hands a little bit differently. You have your elbows up for Salzedo and you have a more relaxed and down with Grangene. It's what you're focused on if it's the cleanliness of the notes or the dynamics. So the two different theories are different. And I wanted to have a diverse education with my music. And I wanted to be able to play whatever an orchestra or a, a wedding required me to. So I went across the U.S. seeking different opportunities just to learn from different theories and different incredible, incredible, incredible teachers to be able to have a diverse portfolio with my ability in harp. So I have been trained in Salzedo and Grangene and have been, and am able to do both. And I I think for me, because people ask like, well, what is your preference? I think for me, it's whatever works with the piece, like the different pieces that I'm playing. Sometimes I play a little bit more Salzedo style because it's a more traditional piece and learning it with my elbows up helps me play the notes quicker. And sometimes it's better to play with the Grangene style. So it, for me, it depends. And I think at each student should do what they're most comfortable with and how they can perform the best. I, I just believe as a harp teacher, because I also teach harp, I believe that every student should feel 
pushed and accomplished at the same time. You should both feel comfortable and growing. And to find what theory matches best for you is that that sweet medium between growth and comfortable. So those are some some funny things. Just imagine me in college <laughs> at these different universities on a lopsided bench. That's me. <laughs> um, kind of going back to those strings. So I talked about how they're wire, gut, and nylon. And now a lot of people always ask, how do you know what strings which? Now there's a trick dun, 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 that you are all going to learn now. And here it is. So the red strings are C and the black strings are F. And it's just in a progressional scale, scale going upwards, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. So if you find a C string, which is the red one, go from there. So C, and then you're going to go up the harp. D, E, F is black, G, A, B. So all the other notes are white, but you've got the reds that are C's and the blacks that are F's. So you can always find a scale with that. And middle C is just the one smack dab, the red string smack dab in the middle of the harp. So that's kind of interesting. And you can always find out, you can go up to a harpist, next harpist you see at a wedding or a fancy event. You can go up there and be like, oh, yes, I know that the C's are red. <laughs> and that harpist, him or her, they'll think that's really cool. So <laughs> um, yeah, that's kind of interesting that we have those C's, the nylon gut and the metal. A lot of people don't know that. And now you guys are the, are the insiders on the harp. And I wanted to give you a little sneak peek of the most requested thing that I am requested whenever I'm at an event to do on the harp. And it is a glissando. So I want to do a little recording of what a glissando is and I'll sneak it in right here and I'll talk about it. Okay, so this is my most requested thing on the harp is to do a glissando, which is literally just putting my finger at the bottom of the harp and running my finger up. It is, here's my secret, it's the easiest thing that you can do on the harp. Like it doesn't take any training. <laughs> and yet it's the most requested thing. And people always think, oh, it's like the Cinderella harp thing or harp music sound. And it is. And it's so easy. It's crazy. So it's kind of funny. Now you know that's called a glissando. And it just means running your finger up or down the strings. And it does create calluses on your fingers, as you can imagine. You're rubbing that metal and that nylon and that gut. But um, glissandos, kind of fun. And when I warm up on the harp, <coughs> excuse me, you need to make sure that your fingers are really warm. If they're cold, you can't play fast on the harp. So I always warm up on the harp. And so my favorite thing to do is warm-ups is arpeggios. And I'm going to play a little clip of what an arpeggio is, just so you can get an idea of what my warm-up typically sounds like. Okay, so this is my warm-up. It's an arpeggio. <laughs> Whenever I go to an event, I start warming up on the harp and people think I've already started playing. But it's just going up and down on a progression of a scale, but in blocked chords, just playing each note one at a time. And what that helps me do is make sure that I'm having the same pressure on each note, that I'm playing each note with the same rhythm, and it just gets my fingers warm and the blood rushing to my fingers. And now you might ask, well, Katie Ann, how many fingers do you use to play the harp? And I'd say, great question. 
I have five on my hand, but I only use four of them to play the harp. I never, ever, 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 ever use my pinky on either hand. So harpists never use their pinky. We use our thumb and the subsequent three fingers, but never the pinky. Um, there was once in harp history in France um, a couple centuries ago that they were experimenting using the pinky, but they there's all these harp theory books that wrote, this does not work, never do this again. So we don't use our pinkies. That's only with piano. And I kind of refer to the piano a lot because a lot of people don't realize if you peeked inside a piano, you're going to see all those strings. That's truly what a harp is. If you stood that middle part of the piano up on its side, that's a harp. So we're just the inside of a piano stuck up and on its on its side and made absolutely stunning and beautiful, which is just so fun and wonderful. So we only have our four fingers, we're a piano on its side, and that's kind of my my warm-up. I get my fingers moving and that blood rushing to my fingers, and then I start playing events. So I do do weddings, I do special events. I do, I've been in a harp ensemble of 12 harps, all playing in unison. That's really fun. I've done orchestras. So I've done it all in my 19, 20 years of playing the harp. And another question that I always get asked frequently is, how do you haul the harp? And such a good question because it is a big, huge, chunky instrument, right? And you have to move from your house to the event, to the orchestra, and that is really difficult, but you get good at it over time. Let me tell you, you have to get good, right? So I have a carrying case for the harp because the harp is actually a really tipsy instrument. So we asked, typically harpists try to make sure that people don't go up and touch the harp because it's a lot more tipsy than you think. It has a small base and it widens out into a V. And so if touched the wrong way, it does fall over. So we have a carrying case for our harp just to make sure that it doesn't get bumped or scratched. That wood is sensitive, so we don't want anything to ding it or to touch it or to um, break the harp. So my, my harp case literally looks like a blue giant oven mitt. <laughs> That's literally what it looks like. When I put it on the harp, people are always like, it's a giant oven mitt. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> totally looks like a giant oven mitt because you have a you have a little small neck of the harp and then you have the big body of the harp. So if you put your hand in front of you and you put something blue on it, that's what my harp looks like when it's in its case. Um, so I put it in the case and then I have a dolly that I strap the harp to. So it goes on a two-wheel dolly and that's how I get it up and down the stairs. I just have to pull the ollie, dolly up and down the stairs and I strap the harp onto the dolly. So the dolly has a little, a flat part that you scoot underneath the harp, you strap it on and then you tilt it so you can move it up and down stairs and long distances so you can walk around with the harp. And then, so to get to my harp into the car, I get it on the dolly, put it, put it in its case, get it on the dolly. I have stairs at my house, so I get it down the stairs. And then to get it in the harp, you always have to have a harp hauler, <laughs> which you have to have a big harp, a big car to put your harp in the car, right? 
which is always funny when you're buying a new car as a harpist. You always have to go to the dealer and be like, okay, I'm a harpist. Can I take the car home and check to make sure it fits the dimensions of the harp? So think about that one, right? You never had to think about that at the used car lot until now. So um, what I do is I have a nice plastic sheet to go on the inside of my car and I put all the seats down except for my driver's seat and the passenger seat. And I've got, I've got like a suburban, it's a, it's a Toyota, but it's about a suburban side. So you put all the seats down and then I put a plastic on top of the seat so the harp can slide over the top. And then I take it off the dolly and then I put the, I, I tilt it into the car and you just kind of have to tilt carefully and you tilt with a lot of muscle. And so, yes, I am buff because of the harp. It's great. <laughs> so I tilted it and then I just slide it really carefully into the back of the harp. And then getting it out, I slide it back out, I tilt it back up and put it back on the dolly. But really, I move it around with the dolly. And yes, you just kind of have to have a big heart car to hold the harp. It's blessing and a curse, you know. You can also be the party car for all the friends after you've taken the harp out. But <laughs> you do have to have a, a big car. And when you get to events, things can happen, right? There's just mishaps that happen. And there's like three harpist horrors. Okay, so here's my three. One, if a string breaks in the middle of a wedding or a concert, oh no, that is horror number one. Because basically in the middle of a concert, you just have to figure out how to transpose the music to not use that string. If a string breaks, if you have the luxury of getting the time to change the string, it takes about three minutes to change a string. But a lot of times you're in the mid middle of like the wedding processional and a string will just break and you just have to keep playing and just make it up without that string. It's kind of scary and cra it's crazy, but that's always a risk that you run when playing the harp. Strings break when the weather changes, when the temperature changes, when it's hot, when it's humid. Basically, strings just break all the time. <laughs> so strings have a lifespan of probably about a year when you when you have a new string on. And then depending on how frequently you use that string, use just wears it down a little bit and it'll just pop and break or temperature changes. And you have to realize that's because these are gut, right? And so they're stretching and they're expanding and they're tightening. And sometimes they'll, whenever it rains, I always have like pop, pop, pop going on in my house and I have strings breaking all the time. And you're like, oh no, <laughs> here we go again. So that's horror number one. If a string breaks in the middle of a concert, you just have to deal with it. There was actually one time I was playing, I was a guest harpist throughout nine different countries in Europe. And I was playing in a cathedral in France, which is beautiful. It makes the music echo. But the other problem is if you have a string break, that also echoes. So it, we were in the middle of a beautiful piece in the middle of a concert and one of my strings broke and it totally sounded like a gunshot was ringing through the whole cathedral. And I was just like, oh no and just had to quickly think and transpose the piece to not use that string the rest of the concert and you just had to deal with it it was crazy that's terror number one terror number two is rain like I said before is rain makes strings break like no other and that is always a scare when you're doing an outside event because 
outside you can't control the weather and you can't get the harp wet. So you always kind of have to have a backup plan of putting, if there's a wedding outside, putting it under a gazebo or having a quick exit if it does start to rain. The other thing people don't think about when you have an outside wedding or venue is the harp has to be on a flat surface. Like it has to be, it will, it's a tippy instrument, like I said earlier. And a lot of times people will try to put you on a grassy place, but grass is never flat. And so you have to figure it out. I have a little, I call it my magic carpet, but I have a carpet that I put down that kind of evens out grassy areas, but you have to be really careful not to put it on a hill or anything that's sloped at all, or else you always have to have a hand on it. The third really horrible thing that can happen with a harp is wind. Oh, and that's an outside event thing too. But think about it. A harpist, you use music, right? Because you're doing events, you're playing for about three hours. That'd be very impressive if you had that all memorized. I'll get there one day. But typically, we tend to have music books, right? And if you have wind, good luck. One, you have to hang on to that harp because it tips. Two, you have to hang on to that music because it goes flying. Oh, I remember. Okay, so I was on Omaha. Um, we were doing a, a concert on Omaha Beach in France. Um, and it was by the memorial of the, the fallen soldiers. It was beautiful. And we were playing this this deeply motivational song that had a harp solo in it and it had started to pick up wind a little bit and I was out there playing it wasn't outside completely outside venue and right as it hit the harp solo so it was the big orchestra everyone was playing and suddenly it it hit the harp solo the wind picked up so much it turned my pages like eight pages from where it was supposed to be and I was just like Oh no, <laughs> right in the middle of my harp solo. So I just started improving and making up this solo. I'm like making it up. And I started just playing with my right hand as I'm trying to flip through the music with my left hand. It was a mess. <laughs> the director of the orchestra kind of just put his hands down and like kind of conducted. And then when he figured out what I picked back up with that real, not improv solo, then he started conducting again. It was totally nuts it was nuts but we made it through it was still a beautiful piece but we just had to that's totally a hard pourer that you just have to play through if there's wind you have to play through a lot of times I bring um those old clothespins like the wooden little clothespin clips I'll bring them and I'll put them on the top of my music stand and clip down my music so it doesn't fall in the wind it's crazy but now I've started to transition to electronic music just that I don't have to do that and I've been doing iPad and Thank goodness that has saved me <laughs> from that harp turn page turning. It's it's crazy. But I'm so glad that I have had the opportunity to play the harp. And I'm glad you got a little bit of a peek into what it is to play the harp. So those are all the frequently asked questions that I get and that I've been getting recently about the harp. But I'm always here to answer any more of your questions. Just submit them through my Instagram at KDN underscore pal or the full confidence ahead pot a full confidence head at gmail.com and i'd be happy to answer your questions and talk more about the harp with you um or i'd be happy to show up at your events which is always fun and play for you which is a good time um i'm just so grateful for you as a podcast listener on full confidence ahead and until next week on tuesday morning 
I think a lot of times the feeling of fear comes from a lack of control in our lives. And our sponsor, PowerPay, is offering a money master course that's normally $40 for free to all Full Confidence Ahead podcast listeners so you can take control of your finances this year. The course is video-based and gives you real-life money smarts. So to claim your course, go to extensioncourses.usu.edu slash Pal, which is K-A-T-I-E-A-N-N-P-O-W-E-L-L, and it'll automatically add the money master course to your cart and you just click check out and you'll get it for free. You can also access your course by going to extensioncourses.usu.edu and finding the money master course under the finance category, then using the code KATIEANN, K-A-T-I-E-A-N-N, with no spaces, to claim your $40 discount and free course at checkout. So let's master our money together. Thanks for listening in on the Full Confidence Ahead podcast. Weekly on Tuesdays, we'll continue our journey of confidence together through new interviews and insights. Make sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on the latest conversations and confidence boosts. And by the way, you got this because you deserve to live life full confidence ahead. See you next week.